Today in the Journey from Pastor Steve DeWitt. Wisdom, friends, is the ability to sift through the possibilities of life that come our way and to find out what is best. And the call in Scripture is for us to have the kind of insight that is able to discern between okay, pretty good, really good, and best. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. When it comes to making decisions, people often choose by what they think, feel, or desire. But today, Pastor Steve reminds us that as Christians, following God and His will should be the deciding factor in all of the choices we make. So how can we know the will of God? That's what we're learning in today's message, and you can also listen online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve with A Life According to Wisdom. We first examined our foundational verse, Romans 12, verse 2, which says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we saw from this passage that knowing God's will begins with having a renewed mind. So the question therefore is, what does it mean to have a renewed mind? And what we saw was is that as we saturate our minds and our hearts with God's word, that his word is his will. And so as I am meditating on and saturating myself with God's word, the inclinations of my heart and the desires of my heart become what God's word wants and therefore what God's will wants. And that we are not to make decisions in life based upon some supernatural sign that we think God has brought or testing God with a fleece or some kind of a a perfect peace that I have about it, a feeling. We then looked at the two aspects of God's will, that he has a hidden will uh, ordaining everything that's going to happen, which he did prior to creation. We don't know that. We can't know that. We can't try to fulfill that but that he also has a revealed will, which he has given us in his word. And this is the the will that we're to worry about. This is the will that we are to, to live by. And as we make decisions based on God's revealed will, lo and behold, we are fulfilling what his hidden will was all along. So we said that a biblical perspective on making decisions according to God's will is, as Augustine said, Love God and do as you please. Would you say that with me together? Love God and do as you please. And what we saw from this was that as I am delighting in God, his will is becoming my will. As I love God, his priorities are becoming supreme in my life, again, so that my desires change. And now I want what God wants in my life. This is Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean that, hey, now I get anything that I want, in a sense, because what happens is, as I'm delighting in God, his desires become mine, and I do get what I want, but lo and behold, it's what God's wanted for me all along. So God is free to give us what our heart wants, because now we just want what he wants in our life. Now, some of you might look at that and say, hey, love God and do as you please, that sounds pretty good to me, but you gotta realize it's love God. It's not like God, feel warm about God. 
get really spiritual about God when you have a big decision to make. I've seen that as a pastor. There's some big decision. I gotta go to college. I'm not sure what God wants in regards to marriage. I got a job thing. And all of a sudden, people get spiritual. Now I wanna know what God's will is in my life. What's funny, you haven't worried about it whatsoever up to this point. It's a lifestyle of loving God that transforms us increasingly into a God, God's will wanting, God's passions loving kind of Christians. That is the goal. So we can stop right now and we can say, there, you have it. The problem is, is that we have not dealt with the essential key then to living a life the way that God wants us to live, which is what we're gonna talk about here today. The church is filled with people that, for whatever reason, have not been able to learn how to live by principle and are always depending on a direct word from heaven for everything. And I'm here to tell you that this is not the way that God wants us to live. This is not how he has designed things. It doesn't honor him at all any more than an adult child honors a parent by having to depend on the parent for every single decision that they make, that's not honoring to the parent. What's honoring to a mother is a mother who instills values in their child in such a way that the decisions that they make over the course of their life are consistent with the way they were raised. They don't have to call mommy every day. But mothers want to raise children that are able to live by the wisdom that they instilled into them. And that is the same model that God has for us when it comes to living our lives. He wants us to live according to his wisdom, to live a life according to wisdom. And what we find, therefore, in the New Testament, especially, is passage after passage talking about, Paul talking about, well, I thought about it and I thought this would be the way to go, or this is more necessary, or the passage I want us to look at this morning, which is Ephesians 5, if you would. First of all, Ephesians 5. This is what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Hey, church at Ephesus, be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to, to do. Now you see that phrase there, so be very careful how you live in the NIV. The King James uh, says, uh, see that you walk circumspectly. And the word there, the, the verb there is walking, but in the New Testament, your walk is a way of describing your life. Walk carefully. Walk circumspectly. The Greek word here means with exactness, with thorough investigation. And he clarifies what that is where he says, not as unwise, without wisdom. Don't live that way. Rather, live wisely. Okay, well, what does wise wisdom or what does a wise life look like? Verse 16 describes it as somebody who is making the most of every opportunity. Wisdom, friends, is the ability to sift through the possibilities of life that come our way and to find out what is best. Not everything. Remember I told you that in non-moral categories, and options that are within the moral parameters of God that we have freedom to make choices. Not every non-moral choice is as beneficial as the other or as expedient or prudent as the other. And the call in scripture is for us to have the kind of insight 
that is able to discern between okay, pretty good, really good, and best. So I want to tell you that God wants us to live for what is best. Wisdom is living for what is best, and God wants us to live that way. So don't think when I say that knowing God's will allows us to have freedom in non-moral categories to make decisions, that God is pleased with us living our lives foolishly. He's not. We're to live wisely. Why, the text says, because the days are, they're evil. And these are evil days that we live in. Wicked, evil, threatening, scary days that we live in. All the more we need to live with God's wisdom. The verse goes on to say, don't be stupid. That's my translation. Learn what the Lord wants you to do. So love God and do as you please assumes that the person who is pursuing God's will in this matter wants to live life wisely and to not make foolish decisions. So this is what is key. This is what I want you to get today. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Wisdom is key. This is the testing and approving from Romans 12 too. This is the Colossians 1, remember, that you would, Paul prayed, that you would know his will and how, how do you have knowledge of his will? Through spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is what we need to have in order to make the decisions that honor the Lord. This is what Solomon meant when he wrote, how much better to get wisdom than gold. If we had a pile of gold right here, whatever's at the end of the rainbow, here it is sitting right here. And over here we had some little thing that would give you wisdom, which would you go for? You know what Solomon says? Don't even go for that because this is so much more valuable over here. Wisdom. We need wisdom for life. So my goal this morning is to impress upon you the need to live wisely and to live carefully and then to give some practical helps on how to attain wisdom. Now, I want to show you another passage. It's another prayer that Paul gives in Philippians. If you turn over to Philippians 1, just like in Colossians last week, Paul gives us a little glimpse into what his prayers were for the church. Here's another one, only this prayer is for the church at Philippi. And he says in verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Why, Paul? Verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is, what's the word? Best, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ that you may discern what is best. Again, this is the same as the Romans 12 too, that you may test and approve what God's will is. This word here means to see what is of highest quality. In fact, this is interesting. The word for discern in Philippians 1 here is the same Greek word for the approve, or the test, I'm sorry, in Romans 12 too. Same word. This is a word that uh, was, was used to describe uh, people in the first century who would evaluate things. It was used, for example, of pottery. Back then, all they had was, you know, they got all these different brands today. You can go to, I don't even know where you go for that, but you go to buy stuff. Back then, all they had was, all they had was pottery. So pots were very valuable. And uh, the most valuable pots were the ones that were thin, almost like China today, delicate kind of pots. Those were especially valuable, decorative or whatever. 
And so in that day, they would have crooks who, when they were maybe making the pottery, it would crack or it would, it would break. And what they would do is they would try to mask that flaw in the pottery. Well, the wise shopper, which would be every mother here today, would take the pottery and would hold it up to the sun and would turn it in the light of the sun. And by doing that, they were able to discern the flaws in what was bad and to discern what is best. And this is what he's calling for here, that we take the pottery of our lives, these decisions and these options that we have, and we hold them up to the sun and we carefully evaluate them. Why? Because in the non-moral decisions that we have, where we do have freedom, to find out the best way is to carefully think through and evaluate and to apply wisdom. And friends, this is the challenge. You want to know why? Because Satan knows how to get us off track. Even the most immature Christian here would recognize something blatantly evil. And so what does Satan do? He doesn't bring temptation to us that is blatantly evil. You know what he does? He brings things that are just a little, not quite as good as, as best. Good things, really good things. And he tries to distract us from what is best. So we need to be on our guard and carefully evaluate and think through our lives. So I'd like to give some practical suggestions on how to arrive at wisdom when making decisions. And the Bible has much to say about this. And I have eight, eight steps to wisdom in life. Here's the first. And we've already covered this one. You've got to have the right goal, but it bears repeating. You've got to have the right goal. What is the goal of the Christian? I hope, Bethel, if I was to stop you in the hallway and I was to ask you this question, what is the goal of the Christian? That you would hardly have to think about it. The goal of the Christian is to please the Lord, or as they said in the Westminster Confession, to glorify God. Either one is a correct answer, but please the Lord is the goal, okay? Now, Solomon, who wrote an entire book on wisdom, called Proverbs, he says it this way. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is just another way of loving God because when I love God, I want to please him. When I fear him, I don't want to do anything less than please him. There's probably an analogy here with fathers where you know, do you love God? You want to obey God because you, or your dad because you love him? Yes, I do very much. Are you afraid of not pleasing him? Yeah, that too comes into play. And Solomon says here that this is what leads us to wisdom, is having a right assessment of my relationship with God that leads to a respect and a desire more than anything else to please the Lord. And the reason that this is key is that when, when, I don't, when I'm not concerned about pleasing God, then I can rationalize any decision as being the right course of action. Here's Proverbs 4. It says this, Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Why is wisdom better than riches? Because a life lived according to wisdom is more pleasing to God. And since that is my goal more than anything else, I'd rather have wisdom than riches or fame. 
It says here that wisdom protects us. She watches over us. When we make decisions according to wisdom, there are God-ordained pleasant results that come from it, okay? They sang the song a moment ago, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him. What's the promise? And he will make your paths straight. Anybody here want straight paths in their life? I do. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here's all this walk language again. As I'm living my life, I wanna know that the steps that I'm taking are on solid ground. When I don't have wisdom, I can't know that. Folly, by the way, you may say, well, I'm not so sure about this wisdom. I think I'm gonna do life my own way. That's the Bible calls folly. Folly does not watch over you. Folly does not guard you. Folly leaves you to rot in your own consequences. There's no protection, but wisdom protects us. Therefore, get wisdom, is what Proverbs says. All right, now with that in place, we have the right goal. Secondly, the next question we have to ask absolutely all the time is, does God's word give me any direction in this decision? Does God's word shed any light? Now, in moral categories, no-brainer. We know what to do. God's word says it, therefore I'm gonna do it, and away we go. But most of the decisions that we struggle with are not in moral categories. They are in these wisdom issues that maybe God's word is not clearly spoken to. What do we do then? In these situations, we have to take what God has given in a general way and apply it in a specific circumstance. So what is God's will in a general way? Did you know that God has made that clear to us? Here's some examples. We know for a fact that this is God's will for us, that we are to do, make decisions in our life that allow for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Where the Holy Spirit is, that's what's going on. Those fruits are being displayed. We also have uh, from 2 Peter 1, this, these are virtues that God's word says we're to strive for. What are we to strive for? Faith and goodness and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. So that in a general way, I know this is the way that God wants me to orient my life. And therefore, if I'm making a decision in a non-moral category, I can kind of get a sense what's going to maximize these in my life because I know this is what God wants me to do. I thought of another one this morning. It didn't make the PowerPoint, but I love this passage as well. In James 3, he says this, Wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And then right before that, it talks about wisdom that does not come from heaven and is earthly. And you know what that looks like? It's selfish ambition. It produces disorder and evil practice. I have found that helpful as I've tried to decide what to do with something. Or somebody's maybe different people are giving advice. You can know what wisdom is from God because it is producing and leaning towards these goals. This is what God wants for us. So how can I get there? And what decision is gonna maximize this in my life? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because here, listen, you can look in the Bible all, all that you want. If you're thinking about a career choice and you're not sure if you wanna be a plumber or a carpenter, what does God want me to do? And you can look all over in here and you're not gonna find, you should be a carpenter, you should be a plumber. But what you're gonna find God being concerned with is you gotta make decisions that are gonna allow these and other things to be true in your life. We know God wants us to love our wives. We know God wants us to love our enemies. 
We know that God wants us uh, to, to use our spiritual gifts. We don't have to question that. The question just then is, what's my role in that? And how can I do that and maximize the opportunity that I have? Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I have a pastor friend who told me about a friend of his in his church that he had a, he had a pretty good job. And an opportunity came to him where he would get a promotion within the company it was gonna double his salary and it was gonna be a major like accomplishment for him. That was the positive side. This guy was very involved in the church. On the negative side was that to take the job would mean that he was not gonna be able to be that involved in the church, that he was not gonna be able to be that involved in his young family. And so he's evaluating what does God want, want him to do. He could look in the Bible all that he wants. There's not gonna be a word saying this is what you should do. He had to apply wisdom, and you know what he decided to do? He said, I know God wants me to be involved in ministry. I know God wants me to love my family and to raise my children, and I'm not gonna make a decision that doesn't allow for me to maximize that, and he turned down the promotion. That's wisdom. That's a life according to wisdom. All right, so, first of all, do I have the right goal? Secondly, does God's word have anything to say specifically in a moral category or generally in a non-moral category that I can apply in the specific decision that I'm facing. Okay, are you with me? Because we're only a quarter of the way. That's the first two. Here's the third. Third step. Have I prayed earnestly about it? Have I prayed earnestly about this? You know, one of the greatest tools that we have to know God's will for us is prayer. Now, does that mean that God speaks to us audibly in prayer and says, buy the red car, not the blue one? No, no. In fact, I can hear some of you maybe a little confused on this point because last week we talked about the two wills of God and I said, you know what? God has ordained everything that's going to take place and you could say to yourself, well then why should I pray about something? And we fail to recognize, first of all, that God has ordained the means as well as the end, and prayer is a means by which his will is accomplished, and prayer does matter. Prayer does change things. In the mystery of, the, the mystery of God's will, I can't explain it, but he says that it does, so we believe that, right? But secondly, as we talk about wisdom, prayer is one of the greatest tools that we have. Here's why. The primary role of prayer is not to conform God's will to what I want. The primary role of prayer is to change my heart, to conform it with what God wants in my life. There's no better way than prayer, which is why it is absolutely critical that we pray. Prayer changes us. It changes us. Capturing the essence of prayer beautifully that's Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. You can play this message and share it with others when you visit us online at thejourney.fm. It's titled, A Life According to Wisdom, and it's the first part of a two-part message from the Decision Making Series. On our website, you can also find our message archive, send us an email with all your questions or comments, and find practical Bible studies. Again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, I want to take just a moment to thank our listeners and our faithful monthly supporters who give generously to help keep the journey on the air. Because of friends like you, we're able to share God's Word with listeners around the country through the radio and internet, helping people meet God wherever they're at in their own life's journey. And when you give a generous gift today, 
Whether it's a one-time or a monthly gift, you'll help ensure that the clear biblical teaching on the journey continues to reach listeners throughout 2024. So would you give today? Just call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or make a donation online at thejourney.fm. And to express our gratitude for your gift today, we'll say thanks by sending you the book Decision Making and the Will of God. Does God have a perfect will for each Christian? Can you be absolutely certain of God's specific will for your life? Author Gary Friesen says yes and offers a biblical alternative to the traditional view on this topic. Discover how to find God's will for your own life when you request your copy today. Call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the blue box at the bottom of the page and then enter your name and email. Well, I'm Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve concludes today's message titled, A Life According to Wisdom. That's Tuesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.